This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I'm joined here by my good pal Nick Horwat as we're talking about a red-hot Pittsburgh Penguins team. I know the entire Monday episode I said they'd won 17 of 19, but realistically, at the time, it was 16 of 18. I was just projecting the future as the Penguins take down the Arizona Coyotes by a score of 6-3 to three on Tuesday, and now... They've won 17 of their last 19 games. So Horwat, with all of that in mind, with the, the midseason mark out of the way, with some big extension news in the air, how are you feeling about Pittsburgh Penguins hockey on this Thursday, January morning? Uh, you, you have to feel good about it, and you have to have faith in this team. There are no negatives yet, but there are just thoughts of the future. That's what I think the big drawback has been of the last few days of just what does the future hold for the Pittsburgh Penguins because clearly for the next two years it's gonna hold a Jeff Carter Uh, yeah Jeff Carter the big news of course we usually record these episodes on Wednesday but because we have an interview we pushed everything back a day we're recording on Thursday and luckily enough because that way we get to talk about the Jeff Carter extension on Wednesday it was dropped that he signed a two-year $3.125 million extension with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So crack crack open them Bud Light Platinums, break out your Welch's fruit snacks, and get ready for Big Jeff Carter because he's going to be here to stay, especially considering the fact that he signed a contract with a full no-movement clause. So Horwat, what are your initial thoughts on this extension? What did you think when you saw the fact that Jeff Carter was the first name to get extended midseason? Just... Well, I always have a little bit of a <clears throat> moment of reflection whenever a 37-year-old signs for multiple years. Yeah. But I try and look at the positives. I, I mean, immediately I always think back to the day Jeff Carter was traded to the Penguins while we were live, and just our reactions were not very positive at the time. For the first few moments, they weren't very positive. I think we grew on to it pretty quickly. And since then, we've seen Jeff Carter become uh, a great third-line center, a great second-line center, and at times a great first-line center. (laughs) The dude still has legs, apparently. And I don't think we should be all that surprised that he got multiple years when he said in his return to L.A. he hopes he has a couple of years left in him. Mm -hmm. I hope he does, too, because there's nothing quite like paying a 39-year-old $3.125 million to not be good. So that's, and also the full no move. I don't hate the deal because it's not a lot of money. It's more than we're paying him now, but that's because we're holding on to only 50% of his current contract. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it is an increase against the cap, but a decrease in total money by Jeff Carter. So I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's taking less money in the grand scheme of things is a good sign. And the way his kind of deal should be done because, again, he's old. And I genuinely thought, we all kind of genuinely thought this would be his last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now he's got two more seasons to try and prove he can be a Hall of Famer, really. 
he's at that fringe point now, and he's had a hell of a season so far. So again, if he's able to continue this and be pretty solid at the age of 38 and 39, I don't hate this at all because he knows his role on this team. It is third line center. Again, the the full no move though, that's just Ron Hextall being a buddy. Uh, yeah, you could you could say that. I mean, there's not as much disdain that I saw from anybody about this extension at all. I saw some confusion a little bit, similar to basically when he was traded to the Penguins, like you mentioned. There was not hatred. There was not disdain for the move to bring him to the Penguins. There was a little bit of confusion. There's a little bit of tentativeness. But since he was traded over to Pittsburgh, he has been nothing short of phenomenal for the slot and the role that he has been cast in for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So this contract obviously is kicking in after this season, which... I didn't know this until I checked Cap Friendly to look at all, of course, of the information and all of the news and all of the little details of this new contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I did not know that he was in the final year of what was an 11-year contract that he initially signed back in Philadelphia in 2010. This was the last year of a contract that he signed, again, with the Flyers back in the year 2010. I, I can't believe that they gave him an 11-year contract, and I forgot that that's who initially started the contract that he's currently playing on. They must have traded him a week after signing that deal. It, I mean, yeah, it was not long after. So it was signed on November 13th, 2010. If you give me five seconds, I could find yeah. No transactions is right here. He was then traded June 23rd, 2011. So a year later, he was traded to Columbus, mm -hmm. who then flipped him a couple months later to L.A., where he won, where he has been until he got here. Yeah, yeah Philly, what are you doing? <laughs> Welcome to the Bash Philly Hour. Mm -hmm. It's back. Well, the 11-year contract, I believe, that was in a time where a lot of players were getting long contracts, which is why you had the 2012-2013 lockout. So there, yeah, it it's was... kind of in that time, but it's kind of weird to me. When I saw it, I was like, wow, I forgot and never really like remember that his contract that is still active right now, he's currently being paid on that same contract, is back from 2010 in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's a pre-lockout contract, so it's mm -hmm. very long. Yes. I mean... Look at the old Suter and Parise deals that are now bought out. Yeah, yeah. It, the pre-lockout contracts are few and far between anymore, as it should be because they're monstrous and yeah. unnecessary. But this one, for what it's worth, I guess wasn't terrible. He's Jeff Carter isn't the face of the league, so he's not going to make face of the league money. Yeah, but he's definitely all-star caliber, a great player mm -hmm. uh, level. So five point. Jesus, at 5.272727, yeah. you don't hate it. It's a good number for Jeff Carter, mm -hmm. especially on the LA Kings that had some good years, had some lean years, and then shipped him over to Pittsburgh at half retained. Yep. So, and also, it's one of those weird ones where the base salary is a much different number than the cap hit. Yeah. Jeff Carter's current base salary is $2 million. 
Yeah, so the, the amount paid by the Pittsburgh Penguins was very low. So it's nice that Carter took a pay cut from what he's actually making, but still getting a pay bump as far as Penguins' salary cap is concerned. But it could have been a lot worse. And when you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins for next summer, we've already talked about the fact that they have so many unsigned players. I mean, you look at Cap Friendly, it's UFA, 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 RFA, Kasperi Kapanen, hey. then UFA the rest of the list, basically, of the forwards. But at least now the Penguins have... Four everyday forwards signed for next year. That's Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, Brock McGinn, and now, of course, add-on Jeff Carter. I like the deal. I think two years is not too long that if you need to ship him somewhere, which it would have to be at his discretion because he has that no-movement clause, but it seems as if, and we'll talk to Matt Venzel, who is our guest on today's show, we'll talk to him about what that means about the psyche of Ron Hextall and where he wants to take this team, but when I look at that deal... I think it just is a clear indication that, hey, we're not giving it all for this one and then rebuilding next year. We're going to continue to try to push this window a couple more years down the road, which is going to lend itself to, of course, the contract negotiations with Evgeny Malkin, with Chris Letang, with Brian Rust, even Evan Rodriguez gets thrown into that now. So it, it sets the table for every other move to be made, which there are conversations there. But to bring it back to just Jeff Carter, He's played so well with the Pittsburgh Penguins, so there's no reason not to give him another contract. He hasn't shown signs of deterioration. I mean, with the Penguins, he has now played 50 games in total in the regular season, 21 goals in those 50 games, 37 points. And then, of course, the playoffs last year in six games, he had five points and four of those being goals. So he has been able to produce for you ever since coming over from L.A. Of course, give a dog a bone, or in this case, Give a big Jeff Carter some Welch's fruit snacks or a lifetime supply is what he could probably buy with this new contract. So there you go. I'm happy about it. That's my opinions on the deal. And like I said, we'll get uh, Matt Fensel's opinions, but any closing thoughts from you on the deal signed by Jeff Carter and Ron Hextall yesterday? Just, just like any other deal that gets signed for older players, you take it a year at a time and you hope for the best. Mm -hmm. Tacking on a full no move is a little bit more head scratching but again yeah. like i said he's he's ron hextall's buddy jeff carter did not want to leave la at first if we take it way back mm -hmm. he didn't want to leave la in the first place it took his buddy and ron hextall most likely promising him that he wouldn't even be exposed in the expansion draft to get him here so we had to bring him in we had to not waste but burn how about that burn a protection on jeff carter mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden he's found some new youthful exuberance and screw it. Two more years. And Ron Hextall said, I'm going to do you a solid and make sure you still don't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I don't hate it. I'm going to take it a day at a time again, as always. Um, but yeah, I, again, I don't hate it. Just tread lightly with it. And also you said four everyday forwards. You forgot about the two on injured reserve. Oh, uh, that's Teddy true. Bluger, at least one. Yeah. We'll go four and a half because we genuinely don't know with what's going on. But Jason Zucker. Yeah, Jason Zucker is also so, signed for, what, two more years, I believe, on this deal. And Teddy Bluger has uh, another year as well. They both have another year left after okay, this. Yeah, yeah, one year. All right. Well, I mean, so I guess you have six everyday guys, at least under contract. So you can half fill a roster with the guys that are signed for next year. But we're... You're tentative. You're taking it day by day. I think he day by day. I think he deserves a little bit more than day by day, considering how he's played. But we'll take yeah, it year no, by it's... year. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I was going. For. Yeah, it's, it was. It's not as brutal as the Brandon Tanev deal that I was genuinely every year going into a new season saying, "All right, 
prove it again that you're des- that you deserve this. Yeah. Whereas Jeff Carter, it's you're older, you don't have too much left to prove other than just making this number look okay to us. Mm-hmm. And he's done that so far, so yeah. I don't hate it. Yeah. So we're okay with it. You know who loves it? Megan Carter, his wife. She put on Twitter, we love it here. Then three hearts in black, yellow, and white. So uh, the Carter family, happy to be in Pittsburgh. The city of Pittsburgh, happy to have the Carter family as a whole. Uh, Some other news circulating around the Pittsburgh Penguins. They lose their assistant general manager, Patrick Alvine, currently named the general manager, the 12th in the history of the Vancouver Canucks. Now, Alvine had been with the Pittsburgh Penguins for 16 seasons, which means parts of three Stanley Cup championships for Patrick Alvine had been the Penguins AGM ever since November of 2020 and he spent time as the interim general manager as we all know after Jim Rutherford left the Pittsburgh Penguins back in January of 2021 so Patrick Alvine somebody who we've both talked about on the show has a heavy European influence he's the reason that we're seeing guys like Callie Klang got drafted by the Penguins guys like Joel Blomqvist we look at Yuso Rikla who we've loved since he came over a lot of that is due to the fact that Patrick Alvine is in the scouting department. He was the head of, of amateur scouting for a long time in Pittsburgh. So congratulations to him. It is a, it is a sore loss. I mean, even Ron Hextall said, listen, he's my right man, my right hand man. He's going to be missed. So, but congratulations to Alvine hooking up with Jim Rutherford again in Vancouver and going to try to turn things around for the Canucks. Uh, you said it. I was, I was going to tell you, just remember who hired him out there now. Yep. Jim Rutherford hired. So he knows what he's getting. Jim mm-hmm. Rutherford knows what he's getting in, in Patrick Alvey. And it's a good move for a team that all of a sudden decided to be okay again. I, I don't know how they've been in the last few weeks. Bruce, there it is. Bruce, there yeah, it is. Since acquiring Bruce Boudreaux, um, they've been solid. And you can't hate on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I also always half forget... Um, who is in our front office when it's not Ron Hexel or Brian Burke. <laughs> yeah. Gonna be honest. I always forget that Patrick Alvin is there doing a lot of things, doing a lot of good things and making this team better. Now he can go do that in Vancouver, who is still very far of a playoff spot. Yeah. Yeah. There's still a lot of work to be done there for Vancouver, but I did say on the hockey hotbed, my other podcast that uh, they'd make it as a hot take might be a little too spicy for me, but uh, we'll see how it happens. They'll at least be better than Edmonton by the end of the year. How about uh, we'll see about that. Edmonton's won a couple games now in a, in a row. I think two <laughs> is is the total at this point. But uh, we'll see what happens in the Pacific Division. It's been wild and crazy so far. I'm sure it's going to continue that way. Uh, speaking of the Pacific Division, there is a member of that division coming over to Pittsburgh in tonight's matchup. So if you're listening to this the day it comes out on Thursday, tonight the Penguins will take on the Seattle Kraken in their second ever matchup. The first one went the Penguins' way by a score of 6-1 to way back in December. Casey DeSmith had the start in that one. We expected him to get the start in this one, but Tristan Jari is in line to be between the pipes. Horwat, are you at all nervous that even though Mike Sullivan said and admitted on Sunday that They've overused Tristan Jari a little much. They're going to try to get him a little bit more rest in the second half. Are you scared or are you hesitant at all of the fact that he started both Tuesday and Thursday against two really bad teams? No, because we have more faith. As much as they may say that um, they have faith in Casey DeSmith as a backup, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that's just a bunch of words. <sighs> and they have to, and here's the thing, they have to have faith in him because Louis Domingue is now injured. Yes. So maybe there's just words being spouted about Casey because they have no choice but to have confidence in him. Yeah. It's 
if you like, if you were to go into a season and we genuinely had two very bad goalies, but those are who we had, we would have to be confident in them because they are our goalies. Mm-hmm. You can beg and plead for a trade all you want, but every game that they are in for, you have to be confident in them. That's just being a fan. And especially being management, you have to be confident in the team you're putting on the ice. So they're going to be confident in Casey if we have to play him. Mm-hmm. That's fair. You just have to hope it's just words. Yeah. And no, I don't mind that he's playing against, you know, playing Tuesday and Thursday against these easy opponents because, I mean, who else are we putting in? Well, I don't know. The, the problem that I had with it is Detroit's the better team, and you play Detroit tomorrow on Friday. I figured that's who Jari was going to start against, especially considering DeSmith had already played against the Kraken earlier in the season. But, I mean, I guess we should all just not try to make the decisions before Mike Sullivan does because he can do what he wants. Didn't Chicago just light up? Yeah, the, Chicago also just lit up Detroit for eight goals, so... Yeah, they did last night on Wednesday, but at the same yeah. exact time, they're a, much, uh, they're a much better offensive team. I don't care how many goals they give up. They're a much better offensive team than the Seattle Kraken. Because they also did score five. Yeah, well, so. they also do have two of the probably top three rookies in the National Hockey League, Dylan Larkin, who's an all-star for a reason, and Tyler Bertuzzi, albeit unvaccinated, which I'm not going to get into, is a hell of a hockey player. Yeah, you're right. He's a good player. Uh, got a lot coming to him. And Dylan Larkin, da, 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 da. Oh, Sam Lafferty scored yesterday. He did. He did score his first goal <laughs> as a Chicago Blackhawk. Uh, <laughs> scored his first goal of the season. That's right. He didn't have one in Pittsburgh, did he? Nope. There's uh, a big one sitting next to Sam Lafferty's name on that score sheet. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, I mean, good for him. It looks like the trade's working out. For him, at least, he gets an opportunity in Chicago. Uh, but we are seeing, of course, the Seattle Kraken. It'll be the homecoming for Jared McCann. Expecting the first commercial break to see. Probably not tears, because he's a guy that has took, taken this being traded and then being taken by the Kraken as a chip on his shoulder, which I like it. I mean, it's worked for him. He's had a pretty good season. We will not see Brandon Tanev, of course, because he tore his ACL a little earlier in the season. He's out for the year. Is he traveling? Oh, I guess he's not traveling with the team, then. Uh, probably not. I was going to say, because if, if he's traveling with the team, get that press box one, because he'll get the standing O. I mean, he might for... simply because it is the return to Pittsburgh, but he might not because, you know, he's out for the season. COVID. And COVID. And COVID. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, who knows? I mean, that's just... Uh... He'll get a big ovation for, what, two playoff series losses? Oh, I mean, jeez. Well, I mean, their time meant oh, a little bit more than that. <laughs> no, you're right. They did. But, woof. They're not going to get the big – they're not going to get the one where uh, AT&T Sportsnet is like, hey, we're going to lose ad revenue on this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm assuming it's going to be just an in-arena one where – you have to watch Twitter for uh, the video. Well, yeah, that, and I'm sure that, you know, you come back from commercial break and you'll still still be clapping and everything like that. So yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with it, but obviously it's going to happen there. And for the second straight week, and the Penguins will take three games in four days. They have the Kraken tonight, as we mentioned, the Red Wings, as we mentioned, tomorrow night. And then they uh, take on the LA Kings on Sunday, looking for a little bit of revenge from that game a couple weeks ago where the Kings took them down 6-2. to two at the Crypto.com Center out in Los Angeles. So, second matchup against Seattle and LA. First time we see the Detroit Red Wings Horwat. I don't know how much Detroit Red Wings hockey you've watched, but it seems as if LA might be the toughest matchup this weekend for the Penguins, especially considering the fact that they beat the Pens a couple weeks ago badly 
on their home ice. But Detroit, I wouldn't count them out. I mean, you see Alex Nedeljkovic between the pipes. He's been great. Moritz Sider and Lucas Raymond. I'm excited to see what they can do against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And altogether, that is a team that the Iser plan is working. It's a little bit ahead of schedule, being where they're at in the in the standings. They're probably not going to be a playoff team, but the Iser plan is working, and that team is becoming more and more confident in their ability as the season has progressed. Who are their goalies? Uh, Nedeljkovic is their starter. I believe Calvin Pickard is their backup. Pickard played earlier this week, so I would imagine we see Nedeljkovic. Yeah, well, yeah Pickard was also the one that they both played in that eight-goal pumping. Ah, that's where I saw Pickard. Yeah. Yeah. Nadelkovich gave up four. Pickard gave up three. And nobody gave up an empty netter. So, you know, they're still an interesting team. I think that Nadelkovich is just figuring it out still. I get he had a phenomenal last season, but then you immediately get shoved onto the Detroit Red Wings and told to figure it out. You're not going to have the same season yeah. again. Uh, it might come around down the line but as of right now he's not gonna be the hardest goalie to beat and calvin pickard is calvin pickard so i always look at this team now because they are growing in terms of a hell of a forward core so we know that's dangerous and good enough i always look at the red wings these days is what does their defense and goaltending look like um i thought mark stall retired no no the only retired stall is Eric, but he's about to get ready to play in the Olympics for Team Canada. I could swear Mark Stahl retired, nope. but okay. Anyway, yeah, it, with the Red Wings, it's always goaltending with me because they had Thomas Grice last couple seasons, and damn, I, Thomas Grice rejuvenated his career after leaving here, so I always look at <laughs> him as he wasn't that great of a backup with us, but somehow found his footing on the island, and then what was okay with the red wings i guess yeah he, he was or was he only there for a season however long thomas yeah. Price was not good with detroit i mean nobody was good with detroit those those couple years because they were historically a bad team um nadelkovic is having a decent season but again when you go from having guys like dougie hamilton and jacob slavin in front of you to going to guys like mark stall and although great he's a rookie in moritz cider who's not going to have the best defensive output as much as he has offensive output he's great but he's still a rookie your numbers are going to take a little bit of a dip, but I still, I, I think they're a team that there are a couple pieces away. Obviously they'd like to have Jacob Verona into the lineup. He hasn't played yet this season. He was a big acquisition that they got whenever they traded away Anthony Mantha last year to the Washington Capitals. I don't know why I was about to say Vegas, but no, this is a young team, a fun team to watch for the first time in a long time. And it's going to be a good matchup on Friday night for sure. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it should be interesting. I think it's a team that's growing, for sure. It's a team that's got a few things to figure out, mm -hmm. but they're almost there. You mentioned uh, Verona. Price is just on COVID protocol. Should be coming off of it soon. They have Carter Rowney. <laughs> yeah, big Carter. Carter. But I'm only reading from the injured reserve here. Yeah. So they're still an interesting team. They have some growing to do, mm -hmm. and Dylan Larkin is – a perfect leader for him. Yeah, and also don't be surprised if Robbie Fabry comes out and has a great game because he's had a pretty good season as well for Detroit. So keep an eye on Fabry, keep an eye on Raymond, obviously Sider, and then Larkin and Bertuzzi, but we've already knew that, and we'll see who's in between the pipes. But Again, I would assume it's going to be Alex Nadelkovich. Safe assumption. Yeah, so 
We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we will be joined by Matt Venzel for his second ever appearance here on the tip of the iceberg. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 to win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we are joined by a very special guest making his second appearance ever on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We welcome on Matt Venzel. Penguins writer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. How's it going today, Matt? I'm doing well as I can in this weather. Just was out for a walk with the dogs, brave in the cold, and I'm happy to talk pens with you guys. Well, I'm glad to see that you're warming up there into your house. But the Penguins, they haven't had to warm up too much as of late. They've been on fire. And the good news, depends on who you ask, but the good news has kept on rolling as Jeff Carter signed a two-year extension on Wednesday afternoon. So before I even ask about what that means about Ron Hextall's plans, what do you think of the Jeff Carter signing as a whole? I think it's a great compromise for both sides. I mean, Jeff just turned 37. Obviously, there's a question of his age, but, um, you know, based on how he's aged to this point, um, you know, that has the potential to at least be a, a pretty good value, um, you know, on the annual salary. And for Jeff, um, you know, he, he said last year, um, when they traded for him, he initially had some hesitation about coming here. And, and since then, it's been a great fit. Um, you know, he moved his family out from California, which is no small thing. So for him, um, you know, he gets that security with the no move clause, which is a big deal. So I think it's a win-win. Um, you know, maybe he gave up a little bit to get the, the, the trade protection, but I think for him, it's worth it. And, you know, now we'll just see how everyone slots in around his contract. Yeah, what does this offseason look like in terms of signing of uh, signing these free agents coming up? Yeah, so we just heard from Ron Hextall today. Um, you know, he once again said that they would like to have Malkin and Latang back. Um, you know, he said ideally they could bring all these guys back. That includes Rust and Rodriguez and Kapanen. But, you know, he also kind of acknowledged that that's not probably realistic. So, you know, it's just a question, I think, with the two big ones of what they're willing to to give. Um, you know, in terms of the annual value and the length, you know, and he did say like, okay, like if these guys want to maximize their value, um, you know, that, that might not happen here saying, yeah, some of these guys might have to take a bit of a pay cut. So I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but everybody involved say that they want to be back. I mean, 
The new ownership group, their chairman, Tom Warner, said a few weeks ago that they want Malkin and Latang back. Those guys have said in the past month they want to come back. So it's just about finding that compromise. And Hexel today said the talks have been fine and they're still ongoing. Um, so we'll see where that ultimately leads. Yeah, and you know, going into the season, there was no question that the Penguins' depth was going to be tested, whether it be through injuries or COVID situations. Uh, but how impressed are you with these depth pieces like Brian Boyle or Dom Simone or other call-ups in their play this year? Yeah, I think to me that's the story of the season with all due respect to Tristan Jari. Um, you know, even over this run here going 17-2, and two, they've had 29 different players play, three goalies, 26 skaters. I think like 22 different guys have scored goals, including – Bjorkwist and Zahorna, who started the year in the minors. So, and then it's it's guys like Evan Rodriguez, who was a healthy scratch in last year's playoffs, you know, playing so well for them. So it's really top to bottom, the contributions they've gotten. So, um, you know, I think it's fair to wonder if we're going to see guys like Rodriguez and Dan Heinen keep it going. Um, but at minimum, you know, they had a big hand in the first half of the season and getting the Penguins through this difficult stretch. I'm glad you mentioned Evan Rodriguez there. I mean, he notched two assists on Tuesday, but that was his first point since being demoted to around the Penguins' third line, taking off the top power play unit in association with the return of Evgeny Malkin. How worried should the coaches be about his production if he's not in that top six role? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is fair to wonder about, um, you know, him turning into a pumpkin, so to speak. I mean, everything he did in the first half of the season um, – it was a total outlier from everything we've seen from him. And you don't often see that from guys his age. I believe he's 28. Now, he's a skilled guy. He's played with skilled guys before. He's shown it in flashes. But to, to string it together with that consistency is, is something new. So, you know, I think it's fair for them to maybe have some worry that, um, you know, they're going to see more of the guy that they, they had here in the first couple of years. But, um, you know, I still think he's a useful guy. He's getting an opportunity to play on the second power play. Um, you know, I'd give him a shot with Malkin. So um, he's going to get opportunities to continue to to produce. And, and he's talked a lot about confidence. Um, you know, even admitted that maybe he was shaking a little bit here recently with the, the, the slump. But for me, the big question is, how is he handling and how will he continue to handle um, potentially playing on the third line? Because it was clear playing so much um, was a big deal to him in terms of, one, his confidence. And two, he talked a lot about just like having the puck on the stick more throughout the course of the game just – made him more and more comfortable when he was playing on the top line. We know Jari's been incredible so far this season, but um, looking into the backup goalie situation, uh, what's going on there? Was this team ready to commit to Louis Domingue, or are they still confident in Casey DeSmith? I know, uh, I think it was Hextall said they were, but how important is it to have a steady backup for this team, and who could it be aside from uh, between Louis Domingue and uh, Casey DeSmith? Yeah, I think it's a it's a huge deal, um, you know, on multiple fronts. I mean, one, Tristan Jari is on pace to play like 65, 70 games. They, they probably should try to lighten his load, although he seems to be thriving with that workload. Two, I, I think they need a more proven veteran option in case he gets hurt or in case he falters. I mean, in the playoffs, again, I mean, the stakes are high for this team. They, they look like one of the top six, seven teams in the league. So, um you know, that would be a nice insurance policy to have. And then you just look at the fact that, I mean, the stat to me that stands out with Casey is the fact that he's only played in nine games, um, you know, and that says they just don't trust the guy. Um, he's gotten pulled or allowed three or more goals in seven of those nine games. So, you know, Hextall 
said, yeah, we believe in this guy. We're going to get him going. He's not going to come out and say, hey, GMs, come try to rip me off in a trade. But um, I do think this is a situation where something has to give or they have to make a move because this is untenable. And, you know, Louis Domingue is on one of those little scooters in a, in a boot on such a fluke play. I mean, he wasn't even – it was like at the end of a drill – and he appeared to have just kind of let up and boil through the puck of the net, hit him in the foot, and he fell over. So that's that's your Penguins season in a nutshell. So um, I do think they need to to make a trade. And, and, and to me, a guy who makes a ton of sense if he's willing to come here because he, he has some no-move protection, I believe, is Yarrow Halak. Um, you know, Jim Rutherford's there. Is there a deal that could be had involving, you know, maybe you send Casey Seller there. They have similar money. You throw in a pick or maybe one of the prospects that maybe the new regime isn't as high on and you go from there. So I, I think that's something that, at least on paper, makes a ton of sense to me. Do you think that Ron Hextall could have looked at Patrick Alvine before he got out of Pittsburgh and said, hey, you have a backup goalie out there that I would be very interested in if you want to if you want to toss him our way or at least open the negotiation here face to face? I don't know if he would have said that, but that certainly sounds like something Brian Burke would say. He's a little bit more uh, <laughs> a little bit of a bigger personality. <laughs> obviously yeah he's uh yeah he's definitely that's that's one way to put it for sure but um no we we mentioned teddy bluger just as soon as you jumped on the call here obviously the biggest story in pittsburgh today for sure but with teddy bluger being sidelined now for six to eight weeks whether the hit you think was clean or not clean he, he's out that's the fact that you have to deal with plus jason zucker now recovering from a surgery do you think ron hextall is looking to add a piece up front as well to help bolster the court, current lineup I don't, I don't think so. I mean, he, you know, his comments today, he basically said we're happy with everything. And I think that to me, was just like GM speak for not wanting to tip his hand. Um, but I do think there is one area that they, they feel good about. Um, it would be up front. I mean, you know, it's fair to wonder about Brian Boyle, you know, playing every night and playing, you know, two, three more minutes a game. I mean, I think he's done pretty well in the very small role that he had playing under 11 minutes. So, um, but I, I do think they have options to fill in. I mean, Evan Rodriguez could play center if they needed to. Um, you know, I think Casper Bjorkwist did all right if they need to, to to bring in a guy in the wing. So I think to me, adding someone up front before the deadline would be a luxury unless, you know, Bluger or Zucker aren't going to come back. I mean, I think the needs are the backup goalie situation, and I also would bring in a defenseman to push Chad Ruedel. Makes total sense. It's the. I mean, what are your thoughts on the defense this year aside from Ruedel? It's been... An interesting, uh, an interesting case because yeah, Latang and Duma are, are what they are. But Mike Madison getting paid a lot of money to play on the third line. What is this defense looking like going forward? Yeah, and I will say, I mean, I think I think Chad's been pretty solid. Um, I just see that as an area where one, you you can upgrade, and two, you could maybe look to bring in a guy with, um, you know, more size and physicality, which is something they've talked about since they got here. But you know, overall, at least until this recent stretch, I, I think the story was just that they have been able to roll out the same three pairs for two and a half months now, and none of them were playing poorly. Um, more recently, we've seen Latang just, you know, play at a level that, um, you know, one of the highest levels of play, in my opinion, in his career. I mean, over the last 19 games, I think he has like four goals, 24 points and a plus 18 rating. So he's been incredible. Um, you know, and especially when you consider his age. So, you know, I, I just think it's a situation where these guys have all settled in with their partner. Um, all these guys have been here since at least the start of last season. So there's continuity, there's familiarity, um, you know, and we've seen some slippage in the team defense overall um, here the last couple of weeks. But 
I think for the most part, the defense is, is probably been a little bit better than expected, especially when you, you know, look at the third pair and them losing Cody Cece. Yeah. And to step away from the Penguins, but ask a question that of someone who still has Pittsburgh ties for sure. Have you seen this situation? What are your thoughts on the idea of the Capitals being interested in Marc-Andre Fleury? Like, what are your takes? And obviously, no, it's it, it's a small rumor, but it's been floated around that um, the Capitals looking for some consistent goaltending and something above league average goaltending. Marc-Andre Fleury on a team that are sellers in the Blackhawks. Um, is would a situation like that be a long shot? Does Flurry still believe he is a penguin at heart, and would he ever agree to a trade to play in Washington? Yeah, I mean, all you've heard is that he doesn't want to go anywhere. I mean, he was you know kind of hesitant to go to Chicago in the first place because he didn't want to move his family. Um, so I don't know about moving twice in the same year. I mean, I think to I'm not 100% sure about what his trade protection is. I mean, I think it's limited, so some of that is out of his hands. But um, one would think if he didn't want to go to Washington, that Chicago would do him a solid. I mean, you know, given that he said, all right, Chicago, I will come there. I don't necessarily want to come there. I, I would like to think that they would, you know, fulfill whatever his wishes were in terms of whether he wanted to move or not move and all that stuff. And then it comes down to the question of will he go to Washington? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know Mark well at all. I mean, I, I, I started, I came on the beat after he had left. Um, but I could see him being a guy who would not want to do that. Um, he cares so much about how the fans view him here. I mean, obviously he's got a hunger to win, but, um, you know, I think that might be something that would be hard. <laughs> I mean, it'd certainly be hard to, for us to see, but I don't know if yeah. that's something he'd want to go for, even if I meant a chance to chase a cup. I got one last question for you, Matt, and it's a little bit more of a, a looking into the future, just fun question. With the top of the Metropolitan Division having four really stout teams, I mean, obviously we've talked Penguins, but you have the, the Rangers, you have the Hurricanes, you have the Capitals. Which of those teams in a potential second versus third place matchup do you think the Penguins would match up with the best? And which one selfishly would you want to cover the most? Man, I mean, I, I still think... I, I like the matchup of the Capitals. I mean, I know they have some physicality that gives them problems. Um, you know, Vechkin is, his season has been ridiculous given his age, but, you know, I still think their speed and their depth, um, you know, and especially if they get the goaltending too, um, you know, that's a matchup where they could potentially play their style and take it to the Capitals. Um, the Rangers, I think would be a good matchup too, although the X factor would be Shesterkin. I mean, he's arguably been the best goalie in the league, but, um, beyond him, I like that. I mean, I definitely would not want to face Carolina, even though they're they're young and less experienced. That to me would probably be the most entertaining series to watch, or another installment of Penn's Caps. I don't know. I'm going to say Penn's Caps because you know what? This could be the last time you know we see Ovechkin Crosby in the playoffs. I mean, probably not, but you never know. I mean, both those guys um, are going to be with their respective teams for a little while here. Um, you would think, but. Um, you know, as we saw with Chicago and the Kings, um, life comes at you fast. So one of these teams could drop out of playoff contention here in the near future. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Before we let you go, just let us know what's coming up for you at the Post-Gazette and what what can we keep our eyes out for? Yeah, just uh, I don't have anything big coming down the, the pipeline here. I mean, I have my uh, my regular Friday column from the point this week. I'm going to look at the, the quote unquote Malkin effect. Um, you know, people think that Malkin comes back and the rest of the team forgets how to play hockey. Um, 
you know, I found some numbers that suggest that that isn't necessarily the case. So you can look for that, but just in general, check out the post Gazette, me and Mike DeFabo are, are working hard for you guys trying to pump out some good stuff. So uh, come check it out, follow us on Twitter. And we have got a, we've got a podcast too. So we've got a lot of different ways you guys can uh, get our stuff. Sounds good. Thank you again, Matt. We appreciate you giving us all your time. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities again promo code thpn at sign up for 56 to 1 odds that's the odds we're giving away this week 56 to 1 on any nfl team here on championship weekend so horwat let's do shout outs and call outs as we like to finish every single week i'll let you start it off with your shout out who you shouting out this week horwat uh you know i love small twitter things (laughs) and uh Anyone who follows the band Jimmy World on Twitter, but who, by the way, are going to be part of the now three-day-long, which uh, is a better. discussion for another day. That's better. Is, is part of the three-day-long, same lineup every day, though, so is it really? Uh, anyway, they're part of the no. When We Were Young Fest yeah. discussion for another day, or one that we already had. But they are, they, they do fun Twitter things at times, uh, and this one was extremely funny to me, because so their, their, goal, their song Sweetness is used as the florida panthers goal song Mm -hmm. and they quote tweeted the panthers and said what did they say something along the lines of these cats know how to get it done they use our song as a goal song and then as the penguins were tearing into the arizona coyotes putting up six on them late um the coyotes tweeted out the meme of like the dog sitting in the fire saying this is fine Mm -hmm. and jimmy world who's from arizona that's how this connection happened Quote tweeted and said, these guys don't play any of our songs after they score. Check out the standings and draw your own conclusions. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it. Just fun little Twitter things like that. Because Jimmy World is real. They have a lot of people would look at them as, you know, one hit, two hit wonders, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I think they're a great band, but I, it's fun watching them just tack on some memes yeah. and enjoy themselves. They're an old yeah. band. They understand that. They're real. Uh, and they did go on to say, don't get us wrong, we love the Yotes, just serving up some tough love and offering a cheap solution to their woes. Uh, if the Coyotes switch goal songs to something by Jimmy World and start winning again, we have figured it out. Yeah, something... Anything will help. And because that came out before the new news that Arizona might be playing at ASU yeah. happened. Um, man... Everything is not fine in Arizona if you want to start back from the original meme. Uh, yeah, no, the Arizona Coyotes, they're struggling a little bit. They're struggling a little bit. I don't want to talk too much crap on them because I'll get uh, Richie and Corey on us from Sporty with Corey and Richie here on the network. They are on high alert for anybody that is talking trash on the Yotes, so I won't go too deep into it. But it has been a, a rough year or two, to say the least, for the Arizona Coyotes. Sure. I mean, rough is putting it lightly, but okay. I get they're on high alert. You got to defend their team. Yeah. But my God, th- at this point, the the Coyotes are just begging to be bashed. Sorry. <laughs> 
Yeah, maybe a little bit, but at the same time, they're trying to get out of it. I mean, where else are they going to play? It's not like they're the Winnipeg Jets or a Canadian team where there's all these major junior places to play. That is probably the best facility in Arizona, including the Gila River Arena that they play at. It might not, you know, support a lot of play or a lot of people, a lot of fans, a lot of spectators, but it's probably the nicest facility because it's brand spanking new for ASU, and ASU is doing hockey right in the desert. So honestly. It might not be a bad move to try to take after him for a little bit. No. No, it's not. It's whatever keeps them in the town, I guess. Yeah, yeah well, Gary Bettman's going to do whatever it takes. But uh, we also Damn did it. forget to mention one quick shout-out, like side shout-out that I wasn't planning on saying. Shout-out to Brian Boyle. What the between the legs, top shelf goal, 6-3, to three, third period. How's your day going? Carol Vimelka is still looking for his jockstrap because Brian Boyle, big man, was able to just absolutely, like, what is it, Merrick Malik, the first guy that did it from the Rangers, back with the uh, uh, Lady Liberty jerseys. He pulled the Merrick Malik on Carol Vimelka, and it was absolutely gorgeous. I don't know if he was the first guy, if Malik was the first guy to do it, but he was the first one to really uh, He did it in a shootout. Yeah. Because he did it in a shootout back when the shootout was still really fun. Yeah. Instead of just, yeah, was, we're going to wait and shoot. It, and it was like the 15th round of that shootout. It the story behind that Malik goal is incredible. Yes. Um, but I, I, if anyone has the timestamps, I bet that was the goal that forced that tweet out of the out of the Coyotes mm-hmm. that that ran into my yeah, prob- shout out. So we love drawbacks. Probably. So <laughs> we'll move over to my shout out here. I'm shouting out the National Football League for giving me and all other football fans the best weekend of football in the past, like in my life that I can remember. Every single game was really, like, not just really good. Every single game was amazing. They were close. They offered different types of things. We had defensive football. We had bad weather football. We had beautiful weather football. There was special teams plays all around, defensive plays, and just offensive fire from other places. So all games being decided on the final play, including three last-second field goals, crazy. Chiefs-Bills, even though I fell asleep because I was sick, instant classic, crazy. Had a good mix, like I said, offensive-defensive So I want to shout them out, but I also, again, side shout out. I'm shouting out a lot of people today. I mean, I hope it's okay. It's what I'm going to do. Of course. But also another side shout out to Chiefs Kingdom, a.k.a. the Chiefs fans, for donating in $13 increments to Josh Allen's charity for Olshay Children's Hospital in Buffalo. Obviously, 13 correlates with the 13 seconds that it took Patrick Mahomes to lead his team down the field for a game-tying field goal in the fourth quarter, and then eventually to beat the Buffalo Bills in overtime to eliminate them from contention and send the Chiefs to the AFC Championship game. But Chiefs fans, $13 increments. It is, I mean, it's a troll, but it's it's a great way to troll. This is a great way to troll somebody. I'm sure Josh Allen's sitting there like, oh, okay, I get it. But thank you for your $255,000 plus in, uh, what am I looking for? Donations. I was thinking foundations. In donations to... O'Shea, I hope I'm saying that right. It's O-I-S-H-E-I. So O'Shea, O'Shea, Children's Hospital in Buffalo. Yeah, 13. That's one thing a lot of fans will do after stuff like that Mm -hmm. is they like giving uh, to charities. I think the Raiders kicker, I think he was getting a lot of money to charity. Or the other way around. Uh, No, the the Steelers fans were sending it to the Raiders kicker's charities because he kicked that last second field goal and actually made it, which sent the Steelers to the playoffs. Yes, so like Steeler fans have done it before. Mm-hmm. 
when now we're seeing it this is a thing that happens it's very fun and interesting it's it's hey yeah you lost but here's a meme for you and also we're going to give to charity yeah um yeah no football was a ton of fun this week oh yeah it, I, we don't like overtime rules in the nfl but that's uh, not what we're here hey, to talk well, about well my call out this week Oh, hold on, hold on, because I also want to do one more quick side shout-out. Do because, it, uh, do it, hit me with it. It is official. Ben Roethlisberger has announced his retirement. Yes, yes. Thank you for 18 years, if I'm getting that correctly. 18, 18 years? Yeah, something like that. 2004, so 18 oh, years. Yeah, a fun 18 years with him and the organization. Mm. And next stop, Canton, my guy. Thank you, All seven. Right. Pro Football Hall of Fame said, what, 2027 he'll be eligible? He will probably be inducted in 2027 as well uh but like you said nfl ot rules we don't have time to talk about it but we do if i make it my call out i'm calling out people complaining about the nfl ot rules shut up stop with it if you want the ball in overtime make a stop it is a team game i understand the game is ran through quarterbacks i understand competitive advantage the game is decided by a coin flip no the game is decided by the bills defense being absolute tit dirt not being able to stop the chiefs with 13 seconds left not being able to stop the chiefs at all i mean if you hold them to a field goal josh allen goes out there and the way that he was playing you probably win the game you got to make a stop that's part of the game i get that it could be better but let's not pretend to say that the chiefs would not have won the game if the Bills would have won the coin toss. All you had to do was make a stop. You didn't even have to. You could have allowed a field goal and your offense was back out there. And guess what? The same exact thing happened to Patrick Mahomes back in 2019 against Tom Brady and the Pats in the AFC Championship game. Since then, what has Mahomes done? They've gone to two Super Bowls and they won one of them. So come back from this. I love the Bills. I wanted the Bills to win. Listen, the Bills are the team that I wanted to see win the Super Bowl. I love Josh Allen. I love his story. But I don't want to hear, and none of them have, but I don't want to hear people complain about, oh, the OT rules are the reason it sucked, and that's going to ruin what was an instant classic game until that OT rules messed it up. No, it didn't. The Bills' defense messed it up because they couldn't make a damn stop. That's the issue. And people that are complaining about it, listen, those are the people that don't like defensive football, and to that I say screw you because defensive football is sometimes more entertaining than offensive football, and I'll live on that hill and die on that hill any single day. Spoken like a true Steeler fan who grew up learning about the Steel Curtain, watching one the of the best 2009 teams. Steelers defense. <laughs> oh my God! And then now TJ Watt. Uh, you like defensive football? Yes. Clear. Tell me you're tell me you're a Steeler fan without telling me you're a Steeler fan. <laughs> exactly. Um, which is perfectly okay. We it's just what we marinated in, mm-hmm. right? And as for the overtime rules, I'll say the overtime rules suck, but again. You could just take it back. Well, how'd the game get to overtime in the first place? Maybe make a tackle during the during regulation. Maybe squib kick. Maybe knock a couple of seconds off. Maybe with 13 seconds left and that team having two timeouts, don't guard the sideline because they don't have to throw it to the sideline. Exactly. There's all different types of, and this goes for every sport. You know, before it gets into uh, overtime or extra innings or whatever else there's always the little incremental plays during the game that could be changed Mm -hmm. that um, affect the overtime Uh, granted again the nfl overtime is stupid sorry it is um i think it takes away from that game a little but not enough just because it was a phenomenal game both offenses were just ripping up those closing two minutes and yeah you want to see the bills get their shot but at the same time again 
You could have squib kicked. You could have maybe knocked a ball down here or there. You could have figured it out before it even got there. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. 13. <laughs> and also the Grim Reaper meme. My God. Yeah, that, that meme's always been a little, like, little graphic. Dope, but, like, uh, what's his name? Bruce Arians telling him, be the Grim Reaper. Yeah. Freaky. Anyway, um, I hope you're ready for the annual tip of the iceberg bashes on the Baseball Hall of Fame segment. I'm ready for it. I already have the, the ballot um, you sent me up. Oh, cool, because I was, I was hoping you did, because I just need to read from my notes real quick, because this one we won't take too long, because David Ortiz is well-deserved of his spot in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Congratulations. Yeah, big poppy. He took a um, bullet for that. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> um, but it's just, and this has been the talk of sports over the last 48 hours, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it'll continue for a little bit. Uh, but just no Barry Bonds, no Kurt Schilling, no Roger Clemens. Thanks to the baseball writers uh, holding grudges. That's really about it. Yeah. Uh, the steroid thing, uh, guess what? David Ortiz is uh, also a steroid user. Early he was, at least. Let's clarify that. Um, yeah, I don't know what, what use he would have for steroids at this point. <laughs> yeah, it, and if you ask anybody around the league at the time or Bud Selig, who oh yeah, is in the Hall of Fame and turned his back to the steroid use. It's, everyone was doing it, mm-hmm. mostly. It's just what it is. These guys did what they had to do to compete and be better because there were no rules against it, and now they are shunned because it's not a steroid thing, but because Barry Bonds wasn't liked by the media. And now, ten years later, it's going to take a veterans committee to get get him into the Hall of Fame. But... If you ask Jim Leland, Barry Bonds should have been in 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. Let me see. Yeah. Uh, trying to find the actual who made it in because I only have the ballot, not who actually made it in. I know David Ortiz did. but And then Veterans Committee voting. I saw it not that long ago on the da-da-da, Baseball Hall of Fame's Twitter. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, well uh, I will pull up the photo you sent me, which was the ballot. And he, like, do you yes. want to say who you – had marked in that you would have voted for that i can remember and i'll give small reasons for most of them just because uh one of them i'm sure i'm sure you questioned i voted for barry bonds because i mean you can't have you can't have a hall of fame without having possibly one of the greatest players of all time yeah roger clemens i honestly didn't know how great he was until i looked at his stats and went holy shit he should be in the hall of fame Mm -hmm. uh tory hunter just because i loved watching tory hunter play outfield yeah um I get he's probably not going to make it, but he was one of my favorite players from another team in baseball growing up, and I liked playing outfield like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I voted David Ortiz because, obvious. Andy Pettit, because he's a great pitcher, and that one you could give or take. Manny Ramirez, just for being fun. Um, I voted Alex Rodriguez, but I get that the baseball writers also have a big vendetta about about certain players that get in on first ballots. Uh, Kurt Schilling, again, just not liked by the media and not liked by a lot of people these days, but, you know, I voted him in because, again, it's about the play that they put out on the field. And Sammy Sosa, uh, who no one is discussing in this whole situation, but uh, that's... Did you watch Long Gone Summer? I did not, no. Phenomenal documentary. Sosa and McGuire should be in the Hall of Fame for that summer alone. (laughs) Yeah, I, I did not watch that 30 for 30, but I should. 
Yeah. But those are my choices. That's just me. And you mentioned Gary Sheffield. I did only use nine of 10 votes. So Gary Sheffield as well is a good idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just a matter of timing, I guess. But those, that's just who I would vote for. A-Rod, I feel like, should have been in on first ballot just because he was at one point chasing the home run record. Yeah, I mean, some of these guys are going to be Hall of Famers, but of course the ones yes. you mentioned are not going to be because it was their final year of eligibility. Guys like Barry Bond, guys like Kurt Schilling, uh, guys like Roger Clemens. And honestly, and I put on Twitter, Barry Bonds is a, a Hall of Famer and it is to anybody that doesn't have a vendetta or anybody that doesn't automatically just say, oh, steroids, done, or up, oh, gambling, done for Pete Rose. It's like the, the, eventually you're just making your institution worse because you're keeping out good baseball players that were Hall of Famers before anything steroid use came around. So, like, it, it's it's embarrassing, and it's the reason that the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame is probably the biggest joke out of all the Hall of Fames. I don't know much about the NBA one, but, like, the NFL one is actually pretty honorable. The uh, Hockey Hall of Fame, pretty honorable as well. I mean, there's still all, obviously, things that come in and come go that aren't good, but the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame and their vendettas and, and everything is just, it's it's too much politics for something that's supposed to just be a museum of the best of the sport that they just keep people out because it doesn't go with their narrative, basically. Oh, with who they want in there. With exactly. Who they enjoy talking to for 20 plus years. Who yeah. They didn't have issues with it's as Jim Leland put it. It's a popularity contest. Yeah. It's not supposed to be a social club, but it is. Yeah. It, it's a ton of fun. I went, I would, I just went there this past summer. It's a ton of fun going there. It's this big historical place in the middle of literal farmland, <laughs> um, but it, it's a ton of fun being there. And I told you this, I didn't tell you this on recording, but we discussed this. I think one day Pete Rose will be put in. Yeah. I think it'll take a changing of the guard behind the scenes of baseball writers and veterans committees and stuff like that. Yeah. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's what it's going to be because it's going to eventually become people like us or uh, half a generation below us who have now grown up and have gotten entrenched in sports betting being a huge part of sports. Granted, the players still can't do it, but it's literally a sponsor of our show. It's literally a sponsor of our show. It's literally a sponsor on most professional teams. Yeah, true. You, you... The Penguins have a giant Bent River section. Yeah. And you're telling me that, like, I get, again, I get the players can't, shouldn't and can't uh, gamble on themselves or on uh, the sport for the threat of throwing games. Yeah. But at some point, you're going to look at Pete Rose's numbers and also realize that most MLB teams have sponsorships with uh, DraftKings or these other sports betting places and go, what the hell is this? Yeah. 4,000 hits? That's more. It's like damn near a grand more than anybody has ever hit. Yeah. So it may be a posthumous thing, and it may be way too late, mm-hmm. but one day yeah. I feel like Pete Rose will see his, his uh, name up there, and that's just my opinion. Things will just change. Mm-hmm. First, the ban has to get lifted, but again, that'll take some changing of the guards yeah. and other things. Um, and as for the shoeless Joe Jackson one, that's a bit of a different story. Yeah. But as for the steroid guys, I they, I bet they see their time in the light way sooner than Pete Rose does. Yeah. If one day Rick DPH will stop being paid by the New York Islanders, then one day the ban on Pete Rose can be lifted. 
Exactly. Yeah. So same with Bobby Benny and the Mets. Ex- <laughs> I don't know. That was a lifetime contract. Um, hey yo. So the last thing I do want to mention about this, just because it's what I noticed immediately upon you sending me the ballot. This is my childhood of baseball. Like these are the players that I grew up being like, yeah, these guys are the guys of the league that I went to games to see. Like I went to PNC Park to see what would happen when Ryan Howard and Jimmy Rollins and the Philadelphia Phillies would come to town because that was, I mean, that was the World Series champions. And then Tim Lincecum remembering that like this guy was the most fun guy to play with on MLB The Show. I loved, I always traded for Tim Lincecum to have him because I loved him. I mean, Justin Morneau. Play for the Pirates. Play for the former Pirates. Play for the Pirates. We might have a we could, we have a Pirate on the ballot. That's a good thing. And like Jake Peavy, Papelbon, Pierzynski, like Mark Teixeira. These are guys that I forgot for a minute that they don't play anymore because it was my entire childhood watching them. So the fact that seeing them now on a Hall of Fame ballot, I mean, obviously, same goes for Manny Ramirez and David, you know, Big Poppy and A Rod. Like it's weird to see that. Not as much. A guy like Sammy Sosa or Gary Sheffield, who whenever I was starting to actually be able to pay attention to it, it was like, oh, those are the old guard. Those are the older players, but they're still like they're legends. You respect their name. So seeing all these names now and getting to the point where like every Hall of Fame ballot is going to be full of names of people that I watched makes me feel very old, even though I'm not that old. And I know it's kind of stupid to complain about being old, but because of this, but it's just crazy seeing that the fact that like it used to be, hey, I remember that one guy on the ballot now it's hey there's one guy that i don't know like who's jeff kent that's about it you know jeff kent oh him and barry bonds had a huge rivalry yeah jeff kent and barry bonds had a huge rivalry playing together in san francisco in fact i thought it'd be really funny if him and bonds got in at the same time see i thought it would have been did a rod get in no i thought it would have been funny if a rod manny and big poppy went in all in the same year only pop only only, only pop. david ortiz and uh because again the mlb writers like only specific people getting in first ballots see a rod will get in next year because next year's class doesn't look too too hot especially if they're losing guys like bonds clemens Schilling, and sosa and some of the people coming up aren't of the same ilk so yeah It'll be an interesting one next year. I'm assuming A-Rod sucks up a lot of votes. That is if they decide to put anybody in. Because remember, last year there wasn't anyone. And I didn't like that either. Yeah, well, the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame always keeping it interesting. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. Thank you for your patience as this came out a little bit later in the afternoon. And another thank you to Matt Vensel for joining the show and giving us his insight on the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Jeff Carter news, and everything else that we had discussed with him. So one last time, goodbye to everybody. Have a good weekend. Three games in four days once again for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Strap in. It's going to be a fun weekend. Have a good one, Penn fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.